So I was at Camp Allen this week for a conference called The Daring Way. You've heard me preach a few times uh, in, re in reference to the work of Brene Brown, who is a researcher who's done uh, research on shame and what are the effects of shame on people, how do we, how do we get shame, and, and importantly, how do we overcome shame in our lives, different from just humiliation or embarrassment, but that feeling of shame that I no longer belong. Um, I, I'm ashamed of this, and because of it, I'm no longer worthy of love and belonging with other people. Anyone felt that before? We were like, yeah, I'm just, I need to go away and hide because I no longer fit here. So we were at this conference going through um, this training called the Daring Way training. Basically, how do we um, identify shame in our lives? How do we overcome it? Largely um, through relationship with other people, having friends that we know we can uh, share our shame with, share our, our fullest selves with, and they're going to still be with us and say, I still love you. Yeah, I get that. Um, that stinks, and I understand your shame in there, and I'm still with you. You still belong. So we, uh, we did this in order to become facilitators in this training, about 200 uh, clergy throughout the diocese and then throughout the uh, rest of the nation as well. And um, going through all of this process and understanding the work and the research and all this, and the third day, Brene, which she, uh, she called it Shame Day on the first day, and she was like, I kind of regret saying that, but I don't like to think of this cry night on youth retreats when they'll try to get all of the youth to cry because, uh, like, what have you done to, to, to kill Jesus kind of thing? Um, and they get everyone to cry, and they're like, it's okay, Jesus loves you. Um, not a very good thing to do. I'm against cry night, but it's been done a lot. So we were all, like, nervous about shame day where we ended up going through this process, and then we actually had to dig deep in ourselves and say, okay, where's my shame? And then we, we were in small groups all week, and we're going to share this with each other. We built up some trust. And so what am I ashamed about in my life? Things that have been done to me, things that I have done about which I'm ashamed. And I knew, we're going around the room, and I knew once I, once I shared this, I would be out. Right? They would no longer, even you know, like friends of mine who were there, they wouldn't like me anymore. Um, that's what shame does. It tells us we're no longer worthy of love and belonging. And so... Um, we all went through, and then I went in as well and shared, here's, you know, here's my shame. And then afterwards, two other guys in the room said, been there, absolutely get that. And there was suddenly reconciliation. And I did still belong. And I realized what we had just done was the sacrament of reconciliation, where we named what was going on, where we named those things about which we were ashamed, and then we had this... Uh, absolution, although not named that, and then we were reconciled with one another. It was the way of Jesus. And it was the way of vulnerability where we were able to open our hearts to one another, be fully and truly who we are, and then still get to love one another. With Jesus on the mountain in this transfiguration, I have no idea actually what was going through his head. But here's what I can imagine. I can imagine especially by the fact that he only brought his three closest friends, right? He had a bunch of disciples, then he had the twelve, the center group, but he only brought the three closest to him to reveal who he truly was. 
And what I imagine was Jesus was probably a little bit anxious about revealing this to him. Because I can easily imagine that these three friends and disciples of Jesus would have seen his transfigured glory and absolutely freaked out and ran down the mountain the other way. And been like, guys, let's go. He just glowed and that's weird. And I, uh, let's see, Andrew, you go ahead, go, go see Jesus and we'll leave you behind there. Um, and so this was, a, this was absolutely a vulnerable place for Jesus to be. Are my disciples going to stick with me after this? And so then there's Peter saying, yeah, let's make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, which was to say dwelling was the name of the tabernacle that they built, of the tents that they had back when uh, Israel was wandering in the wilderness and first becoming a nation. They had this tabernacle, this tent in which God dwelled. And so it was a separation, right? Where God dwelled amongst them in his tent, but also only the certain few could go in there and be with God's presence. So by saying, we want to build a booth, a dwelling for you, well, that makes Jesus much safer now. We could walk around with Jesus when he was this carpenter guy and this rabbi and his friend, and he was miracles, and I freaked us out a little bit, but we could still walk around with him. Now that we see his glory of, as God's son, I want to keep him up there on the mountain. And then I can, I can walk up at a safe distance and say, how's it going, glowworm guy? Um, but then I can go back down and be safe from God. And Jesus, you know, none of this was said, but Jesus was saying, nope, not going to happen. I'm going to come back down the mountain with you and still be the carpenter guy that you knew and the rabbi that you knew, also going to be this son of God, glory revealed, and it's going to be tough for you to wrestle with that and get comfortable with that. But I'm going to stick with you and realize, even though this has happened, realize you're still worthy of my love. I still love you. And I'm hoping I'm still worthy of yours. That's what we do in the sacrament of reconciliation. With what we often short-term call confession the Sacrament of Reconciliation, we have that in the Episcopal Church, it's in the prayer book, and something that is not done nearly often enough, partly because we don't require it of anybody, what we say is, everyone can partake of the Sacrament of Reconciliation. Some people really should. They really need it. Not because God won't forgive them, but because it would help them to name this and to hear those words. And no one has to. But with the with the sacrament of reconciliation, that's what we do is we name and state our shame. We name and state those things that we have done that we just kind of can't get past. About which we feel like if anyone knew, then I would be unlovable. So we get to name those in a place and to a person, to a priest, that it's going to be absolutely confidential. Not only will the priest never tell another soul about it, but the priest will also never bring it back up to the person as well. So if that person wants to talk about it again and say, hey, I need some more counseling on this after we've done it, great. But after I hear someone's confession, I never bring it up to that person again. I lay it on the altar. It's God's. And then we get to talk about it. And then 
that person gets to hear the words of God that they know in their head, right? We get it. God's forgiven me. Okay. But then we get to hear those words declared. God actually has forgiven you. You can let this go. You are still worthy of love and belonging despite whatever it is that you've done. Because we are not the sum total of our sins. We are not the sum total of the things that we've done that have hurt ourselves and hurt other people. We are God's beloved children. And our, our sins get in the way of that. But that's not who we are. Who we are is God's beloved children. And so we, can, we have that reconciliation, the sacrament, to remind us of that. So during Lent, I bring it up, because that's this coming Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, the beginning of Lent. Lent is usually a time when people do avail themselves of the sacrament of reconciliation. I will be available for this all Lent. Call me, email me, whatever, and, uh, and set up a time. Generally take about 30 minutes or so um, for this. If you would like to call my wife, also a priest, uh, you can call her, and she is also offered to be available. Call set up a time. Um, and I hope that we will. I hope as a, as a congregation we will avail ourselves of this, because it also helps us to realize how to be reconciled with each other in our lives, too. To remember that our shame does not define us. Our sins do not define us. And despite what we may have done, we are still worthy of God's love. God's belonging. Jesus knows we're a mess. That's why he came down and became one of us and died and was resurrected. He knows we're a mess. And he still calls us beloved. Amen.